Welcome back to the Character Corner Podcast with your hosts, Chris and Deepom here. And we are back for uh, part one of our two-part series on Aquaman, which are going to be the last Character Corners we do, not ever, but in 2018. Um, we're trying to get these, the part one out before Aquaman hits the big screen uh, in uh, his first solo movie. And um, so we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna tackle this character that um, has gone through... I'd say a lot of changes too, but also he's got a, he's got a bad rap. <laughs> Can I just say something? Like, I want to just preface all this. I mean, we had a lot of Aquaman for, to do this podcast. I don't know how I feel about the character as a whole, because I don't know if anyone has a definitive Aquaman take. And he straddles this line. It's the same way we did Diana, because one of them and I on the first name basis. Where it straddles the line between superheroics, but also like a Game of Thrones, like internal royal kingdom drama, but also sometimes a supernatural drama. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. The, 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 the mixture of the three can get you a couple good stories and get you a pretty good run, but it is hard to see it done over a long term. This is a character that's been around. Since 1941. Well, so so and so when we, we were when we were doing this, and I even told you. I mean, normally we don't do breakdowns. I, I feel like we do more um, when 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 Deepom and I get together and we do these character corners. There isn't like there usually isn't a lot of communication between the two of us, <laughs> like outlines or anything like that when it comes down to right. doing these characters. Because normally, it's just, especially when it's Marvel, right? It's it's pretty easy. It's like start here, end here, we're good. DC is the ones I think that take the longest for us to do and take the most communication. And it's because of what you just said there. It's like, I said this when I did the, 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 the outline to you today, I was like, we should really probably take some time to talk about the different eras of comic books. So we always mention things mm-hmm. like golden age, silver age, bronze age. But we've never really kind of gone into them. And as I was sitting down doing Aquaman and reading Aquaman, like you said, just like when we did uh, wonder woman, there's another one of those characters that going to, he's been around for so long, but in each era, there's like a different one. There's a different version of his, and they're so drastic, right? Like when you do Superman, Superman's origin is pretty much set in stone. That's right. Batman's origin right. is pretty much set in stone, right? They're, 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 they're set there. Even if you, if you think about it, Warner was for the most part. They made some changes, but for the most part, set there. Aquaman has at least three different origins, depending on what era you're in. Sometimes different ones in the same era, and it 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 becomes hard to figure out. Like when you do that to your characters, and I'm not even saying that this is done on purpose or it's DC's fault, but when you have a character that goes that far back, like you said, from the 1940s, and here you are in 2018, and you're still trying to you know uh, introduce characters, uh, people to this character, what do you do? You know, we brought this up when we were talking about Jason Todd, you know, all, and, the, and the Robins. Like, by the time some people realize, you know, by the time we start reading comics, Tendrick was our Robin. There had already been two other Robins that had come, gone, and become other things by this point. You know, it's just, it's just really, really hard when it comes to continuity in D.C. for these kind of things. And I think that's why we've seen their movies sometimes struggle. I think they're finally going to handle on that, hopefully. But, you know, it's, 
It's it's because what version of Aquaman do you put out there? What origin story do you use? Well, it's also because there there is a because a lot of people like to play with the origin. There's a lot of age resetting for Aquaman, mm-hmm. and it becomes tough because you also want him to play in the superhero pool, which means he has sidekicks who who age up. <laughs> so Garth becomes Tempest, mm-hmm. and and Aquaman gets de-aged, and you're like, wait a second, what's happening? Mm-hmm. So it's it's he's a really interestingly handled character, and that's the nicest way I can put it before we get too deep in the woods. Yeah. It's not Hawkman. It's not Hawkman. Oh, oh God, there's nobody as bad as Hawkman. Yeah, by the way, the Hawkman book's really good. I know people are saying that. It's, it's like issue eleven maybe now, and they're trying to they're doing they're they're leaning into the uh, the skid that is his entire fucking convoluted bullshit history. But I feel like that's what you gotta do. I think I think and we'll get into this later on with with Aquaman. I think when you when when you, when you lean into certain things, like when we, get, I think the thing that works with Peter David's run when we get into it, what works with that run is that he leans into the idea that everybody thought that Aquaman was a joke. And so yeah. when you when you lean into the things like that, it, it and, and play with it instead of running from it, I think it really helps. Um, but before we get more into Aquaman, let's let's go ahead and break down these. Different eras of comic books because I think we we we've always brought these up and and in I, I as I was kind of writing this out right now I think at some point we may just need to do their own separate character corners on them because there's a lot of history in each one of these eras. So start with the golden era, the golden age of comics, so 1938 to 1950s, um, and this basically saw the creation of the superhero architect type, right? I believe this pretty much starts with Action Comics number one and the creation of Superman. Um, Siegel and Schuster. They, it was the uh, concept of the Ubermensch. Um, yeah, it was, it, and every other superhero was kind of broached from that archetype. Be it um, other Golden Age heroes, uh, Shazam, Captain America's deviation. That even you can say um, Batman and Wonder Woman are, are are spun off of that ideal of that first cover, that Action Comics number one, Superman mm-hmm. with the S on his chest. Yeah. Um... And this is where you get Detective Comics, predecessor to DC Comics, Timely Comics, predecessor to, to Marvel Comics. Uh, there's also Wartime, so you had a lot of superheroes dealing with patriotic themes, which, by the way, just want to say, you know, to all those good politics out of my comic books, like, the superheroes basically were created during the time of war to deal with that. So the like, cool part is that this is a medium that then, after the war, investigated the psychological impacts of the wars. hmm Yes. So this idea that, you know, comic books, you know, get politics out of my comic books, it's always been there, guys, from the beginning. Superhero comic books have always been there. It's what they were created to deal with, you know. Um, uh, after the war, interesting superheroes kind of slowed. The comics started getting canceled, started going into more history, uh, to mystery and horror. That's why, you know, when you get into them, we'll deal with this in a second, get into the Silver Age comics. That's why a lot of your characters would be like, come out of books like Journey into Mystery and things like that. Because you were getting these mystery and horror comic books at that time. Um, the uh, comic book code authority was created because <laughs> somebody thought there was a connection between juvenile delinquency and superhero comics. It's because, you know. The seduction of the innocent trials. I always mention them. I'll probably, one day I'll give out the book rack. Ooh, we gotta do our annual book racks. Yeah, we do. We do. We'll, um, we'll, um, like I said, we'll get into more of these, more of these errors. We'll do, we'll do either one big character corner, or all the errors, or, or individually, because there's a lot of interesting stuff in here. Um, but anyway, the Golden Age lasts from 1938 to 1950s. Uh, 1956 to 1970s, called the Silver Age. 
Uh, so nineteen fifty after the introduction of the instant trial, superhero comic books because of the press they start dying off. People are investing, like you mentioned, in horror comics and in like these anthology comics. But they, like I remember, I know Wiz went. I remember Jesus. I know Wiz went out of business. Like people were canceling superhero properties left and right, and the Kickstarter of the Silver Age was like you said, nineteen fifty six October showcase number four, the Flash. Who is the man? Whose uniform should never be changed and kicked off the Silver Age? Barry Allen. The, the easiest uniform what? of all time. The, easy, the Crimson Comet, the, the Scarlet Speedster, the Flash. The easiest costume of all time that somehow Dexter still, still, still. Everyone's determined to fuck it up. And I was like, well, all right. He literally, like, okay, so one of the defining things about the Silver Age was it was tied directly into science and space exploration. Mm-hmm. So the magic lantern of Green Era of Green Lantern became a, an intergalactic space cop. The the, the Flash, who uh, was based mostly in, in kind of fantasy stories, got much more grounded and became a police scientist in Barry Allen. It was taking things that existed and making them fit into this new age. And I am a Silver Age. I mean, that's, those are the books I read growing up. I'm, I'm a Silver Age fan. I'd argue that most people, if they knew it or not, are Silver Age fans because most of the your favorite characters, uh, if they've been around since the 50s and early 70s uh, or to 1970, if they were created before then, that's probably what you know. The, the idea of these characters probably comes from the Silver Age, whether it's Captain America, um, Aquaman, we're going to get into in, in a bit, uh, his Silver Age appearance, um, Marvel, you know, uh, you know, your X-Men, your Fantastic Four, like all these things came from that Silver Age. Now, you know, the ideas you have about when you think of and I think that's another thing that kind of hurts at DC. They're, I, they, they've already had to like Marvel didn't have to worry about that so much. They basically changed their new all their new characters and kind of let them go. Like you, I mean, you had the <clears> Human Torch in the in the Golden Age, but that Human Torch is not the same as the Human Torch that's used in Fantastic Four. Um, but some of the characters from the Golden Age for DC survived. Like Aquaman, you know, just came over. Batman, uh, Superman. They made some small changes here and there, but now you got to deal with them. That's when you start getting the, the multiverse. The multiverse is created in the seventies for uh, the sixties for, for, for DC. Um, but it was a boom of, of, of getting the, the, the superheroes back. Cause at, for a longest time, there were no new superheroes, successful superheroes. The flash was the first one uh, in 56. So um, the first crisis was 63, you know, mm-hmm. um, we then carry on. And, and I think, I think that the silver age is all, I think the other thing that helps with the silver age is the silver age is usually what, the other ages built off of. So DC for the most part, didn't really carry over their stuff from the, um, from the golden age. Uh, well, later, it was a definitive split because like I said, they wanted to lean into the science of the era. Exactly. But what happened was that's when like you said the original crisis and they started having their multiple earths. Right. And kind of leaning into the sci-fi nature of the medium to tell the stories. But you're right. It was originally kind of there's a definitive split. Whereas Marvel's Golden Age was mostly timely comics, which had stopped being sold. Their Silver Age was mostly largely unencumbered until the introduction of Captain America in uh, Avengers number four. Exactly. Um, then you get the Bronze Age, 1970-1985. Um, again, carrying on what you were doing in the Silver Age, but now you're getting more 
darker plot lines, storylines story involving social issues like drugs. Um, it's what happens when the kids that read Silver Age books grew up. Exactly. They didn't want to. They didn't want to not sell their. They didn't want to leave behind their superheroes because this is their mythology. They needed them to grow up and tell different stories. What's funny is I was listening to uh, Kevin Smith do an interview this week, and he was discussing Stan Lee, and he said what people got to realize is that when kids of that age got to college, colleges would pull the kids, who do you want to come talk to you? And the answer would be Stan Lee. Mm -hmm. And that's when they figured out that Stan Lee for, for kids of that age was, he was the Beatles. It was, it was, it was hearing him come talk to your campus was a get. Mm -hmm. And it was the voice of generation. So the years you're talking about, 70 to 85, that's when people took comic books as it went from comic books to comic books. It, be, it, it, didn't, it didn't evolve to where it is now, but this was the most important stepping stone because it showed that it wasn't just for children, that real writing and real stories could be told there. Yeah, and DC, you got your hard-hitting, uh, hard-traveling heroes. Uh, Paul Ein, you have more mar minority and black superheroes around this time you had um also i found this interesting the writers and artists got more credit for their work um mm -hmm. the, their creation still went to the the um the companies they were publishing for but you know we talked about this before with bill finger and other creators struggling to get credit for the characters they created here you started getting more of that with writers um when you get into the next era which is the modern age which basically goes from 1985 to what we are now now you start that's when you start really getting like some of these creators now becoming like big and you get more commercialization of these characters but that bronze age you know is also where i like think a lot of us in our age group if you weren't going back and reading silver age comics you 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 got your characters from here this is when you get the the new and improved x-men this is when you get you know the first appearance of wolverine and you get um we'll, we'll get into this you start getting um again like you said these more i don't want to i guess I guess in a way more grounded, because even at DC, like I say, when you get the hard traveling heroes, you get more, it's more relevant almost. It, it, it's things that were very, very close to that and relative to what's going on, which I guess makes sense because when you think back to the golden age, the golden age was dealing with stuff with the war. And that was very relevant at the time. That's what was on everybody's right. front mind. In 1970, 1985, you got to think about it, at that time, social issues were huge. I mean, the, the Civil Rights Act had, had, had passed and and you're getting the fallout from that, and you're having people having to to deal with that, and these comics kind of reflected that there, you know. So you had the the whole it, you know drugs and and and, and you know had there's several 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 uh, uh, sidekicks end up falling to drugs and having to deal with that in, in the pages of comic books. So, um, yeah, and then we had the modern age, which is today. So, um, like I said, we'll go into more of that in more detail uh, later on, but. I kind of wanted to do that just so we can, so people understand we go, we, we have to bring up Aquaman in these different eras because, you know, it's just so vastly different. So, so vastly. it just it's, is. So, so it's, yeah, it's it, it is jarring. So more fun comics, number 73, 1941, uh, with the first appearance of Aquaman. And again, just because you can look at the name of the comic, more fun comics, number 73. Um, and his first appearance was narrated by himself. And I, I, I pulled this from Wikipedia here, you know, and from the, the comic itself, the story must first start with my father, a famous undersea explorer. If I spoke his name, would you recognize it? My mother died when I was a baby and he turned to his, his work of solving the ocean's secrets. His greatest discovery was an ancient city in the depths where no other diver ever had penetrated. My father believed it was the lost kingdom of Atlantis. He made himself a watertight home in one of the palaces and lived there 
studying the records and devices of the race's marvelous wisdom. From the books and records, he learned of ways to teach me to live under the ocean, drawing oxygen from the water, using all the power of the sea to make me wonderfully strong and swift. By training in a hundred scientific and hundreds of scientific secrets, I became what you see today, a human being who lives and thrives under the water. Okay, stop. The original origin for Aquaman was that his mother died, his father, driven mad by grief, moved to the undersea city of Atlantis, which is abandoned, raises the boy in seclusion, teaches him to swim underwater without, uh, excuse me, to breathe oxygen that's in the water and use the power of the sea to make you strong and fast. Just that's what I heard, right? Uh, I actually heard it a little bit differently. A, okay. a father whose wife died, gets stricken with grief, tries to commit suicide with him and tries to commit murder-suicide with mm. his son and wife. It's his son and himself. Mistakenly discovers that. I'm just saying, and, and, and then discovers that somehow they can live underwater because it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but again, that's the... That's the but it didn't have to. Like, that's what it didn't have to. Right, it's the golden age. It didn't have to, you know? You know, it just, uh, again, even this, uh, a famous undersea explorer, if I spoke his name, you would recognize it. Not today, because nobody gives a fuck about undersea explorers. But back in that time, Dave, yeah, of course. It's awesome. Yeah, let's talk about it. Great. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not really much to go in on this one. I mean, I, this, I mean, look, the Golden Age, you think about like a, a Golden Age comic book, you're thinking about the Aquaman stories. He lived in a wrecked, a wrecked I believe, a wrecked rowboat. Yeah. Wrecked fishing boat underwater for no good reason. Um, and he could talk to fish, and he could make him do what he said, and that was it. That was Aquaman. It didn't get a lot deeper than that. Uh, he usually he was fighting because think about this Golden Age. He was fighting Nazi uh, U-boats. Yeah, he was fighting submarines. Uh, yeah, it was it was definitely he was fighting the Axis powers. That's the it, stories it, that were told with Aquaman. It was it was a product of the time. That's what everybody was fighting. That's what everybody was doing back then. Right. You know, just what it is. Uh, 1946, more fun comics became adventure comics, uh, and they were not just publishing Aquaman stories. Because again, when you read these books, it's not an Aquaman book. It's a book that usually tells all these other stories because they were just throwing things. At, I mean, I'd be perfectly honest, they're throwing shit at the wall. And every now and then, you get a lot of Aquaman stories, and if a character picked up, then you would you would get those stories. But uh, adventure comics became telling not just Aquaman comics, but also Green Arrow and Superboy. Um, not really, again, not much, really much more to go into the Golden Age stuff because the Golden Age stuff really doesn't matter for the most part. Um, so it sets the foundation because it, it sets the foundation. It, it, I'll, I'll say this it does set the foundation. Late Golden Age stuff, um, they entered Topo, like they tried to give him, they changed his powers, they changed some things about him that would eventually crystallize in the Silver Age generation. Well, I, I say this about the Golden Age. The Golden Age always bears repeating because these are the things that got picked up. Like, if they became mm-hmm. popular at the time, here's the thing. If nobody cared about Aquaman in the Golden Age, we wouldn't have an Aquaman in Silver Age or Bronze Age or now. He wouldn't have ended up being a founding member of the, the, the Justice League if he didn't get picked up there. That's what, to me, the importance of knowing where these characters came from the, in the Golden Age because they've been around for so long. I mean, these are characters that outdate anything that Marvel ever has. And so that to me is at the extent of I never go and read these things because they don't make any fucking sense and they're fucking silly and they're ridiculous. Um, Silver Age, uh, Avenger Comics two sixty is the first appearance of Silver Age, um, 
Aquaman. Now, you may have noticed that when we were mentioning the Golden Age, we didn't mention his name with Arthur Curry, and that's because he didn't have a real... I don't think that was his name. They didn't give him a name in the Golden Age. He was just Aquaman. You know, he didn't mention his father because you, if I spoke his name, you would recognize him. So fucking speak the fucking name. So he doesn't get a name. I love that. And he was been at a time when it was like, I don't see explore. It's like, oh, Justin Bieber. He's essentially Justin Bieber <laughs> right. with a summary. <laughs> right. So, uh. Science used to be cool, kids. Uh. Right. <laughs> stay, in, right. We'll stay in school, kids. Uh, so. Silver Ace uh, Aquaman, and that's when you get his name, Arthur Curry. He is the son of Tom Curry, a lifestyle keeper, and Atlanta, an outcast from Atlantis. You will later find out that she's not just an outcast, but she's actually a royalty. Um, and that basically established, and this is where you actually start establishing um, more of, I, I, again, Golden Age Aquaman basically gave you the name. Silver Age Aquaman, to me, is where you start getting the foundations of what the origin is still going to be different because we're going to change that when we get into the Bronze Age and, and, and later on. But changes again after that too. Don't you, don't you think we just did one more origin? Oh, oh no, 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 no. We're just changing one more origin in this episode. We have way more after that. Um, but um, you also start getting the 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 the, the foundation around him. You start getting things like his uh, Ocean Masher, Orm, his his half brother. Which <laughs> you talk about Aquaman changing his origins. Orm's origins change a lot too. So I'll just go with the first one. Here. Orm's the Joker. Huh? No set origin. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't matter. He's Orm. You know what he's going to do. Betray everyone. Tell, no, tell the first origin. Oh, yeah. I mean, so his first origin is so Arthur Curry is the son of uh, Tom Curry. And uh, when basically, and in, in, in when they tell the story, and it's, uh, was it told? I can't remember, there's another time when it was retold, but just in this origin here, um, uh, Atlanta, she's outcast from Atlantis. Uh, Tom Curry finds her. They end up falling in love. They have a child. They have um, uh, uh, Arthur. Uh, Atlanta, she ends up dying. I can't remember how she dies. She dies. Uh, Arthur is, is talk, uh, taken care of by Tom, learns that he has super strength and can talk to animals, talk to fishes, and talk to any of the creatures of the sea, can hold his brother, can, uh, can breathe in water, all these things. Um, Tom, feeling lonely now that he's lost the love of his life, marries another woman. I can't remember her name because it's not really important. They end up having another son, and that son becomes Orm. Orm uh, has no powers. Uh, just a regular, uh, regular human child, but because, uh, becomes jealous of of Arthur because you know Tom gives him all the the attention. He's basically he's the forgotten son, and that jealousy ends up making him you know the hated enemy of uh, of his half brother uh, Arthur, and he becomes Ocean Master Master later on. Um, I can't remember if this version has any powers. I know he at some point. He figures out how he he gets a device that allows him to breathe in the water, but I don't believe he didn't have any real power. He focuses on technology in the Silver Age version. So, of so now let's have a real talk about a weakness of Aquaman. Oh, so this is so so this is the new yeah. This is something that they brought up in the Silver Age because see, I was going to say actually the Rogues, but let's do this too. This is actually more fun. No, no, this this is fun. You got to bring this up now because it's it's one of the things they did. Basically, they wanted to do something like. You do a Superman, which is Superman has that 
uh, has his weaknesses, and, and so did so did uh, at this time. So did Green Arrow, Green Arrow. I mean, Green Green Lantern. Green, Green Lantern, Lantern yeah. had the the yellow weakness. Um, so what was Aquaman's weakness? He had to be in contact with water uh, once an hour, or he would die. Uh, this is where the jokes come from, guys. While the silver it's not age, our fault. while the silver age does define. Um, give you uh, uh, finally give you an origin for uh, for for Aquaman that isn't a joke that makes sense. Um, while it does start you know defining some of his his rogue gallery and some of the the his not not just his rogues but also his allies, it does add the one thing that for the longest time make him a joke, and that is he has to be in contact with water once every hour. It's so stupid. It is incredibly stupid, and it's I get every joke that comes off of that. And what you say? What now? If, if you want to make fun of it, I can't stop you. No, and the thing that makes it so bad is that the thing that makes it is so sad is it's not true anymore, and it hasn't been true for a long time. But it's what stuck. It's the one thing. It's the, it, it, it turned the character into a joke. Because it's like, what do you mean you have to be in contact with water? Like, literally, like, the, the whole thing is, so if you take him out of water, he dies? What? Why would you do that? The dumbest shit ever. What did you do? How did you knock him in? Uh, we, we, we knocked him out, and then we airlifted him to a desert and just waited. <laughs> we, did, we, denied him, we denied him food and water? Like, literally, and he died. Uh, and he just, what'd you do? It's just a giant microwave, really. Right. It just... <laughs> I mean, we, you want to put a name on it, we can, but it's just a giant microwave. I'm microwave man. I mean, Not look, microwave man. I, I, I'm, I'm fish sticks in the break room guy. That's who I am. And guess what you are, Arthur? Fish sticks. And then you put on for, you put on for one hour and just let it slow cook. Sandman would kick Aquaman's ass. Yo, Sandman would wash this. <laughs> mm, I even thought about that. That's a great point. That is such a good point. I'm just saying, like, it Flint is, Marco. It, that's Marvel's DC Aquaman Namor. No, it, Flint Marco. And the thing about it is, because I mean, we kind of went into his weaknesses. His other strengths make sense. It's like, okay, because he operates at the, at so, such such depths in the sea, he can obviously you know breathe underwater, uh, can swim really fast. He has he, he's actually faster on land, fast on land. He, uh, his skin's imperious. Let's, let's, let's say this. They make sense now because retroactively you're like, yes, to exist in that pressure, you'd have more dense muscles and you'd be stronger on land. At the time, he got the superhero starter set of yeah. powers also swim fast. Right. Which, by the way, wouldn't Superman also swim fast? I don't know, man. Because it's kind of like, think about it. If um... Stop. No, 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 no. He can fly through space. He can fly through space, Chris. He can fly through space, but it's not the same as swimming through water. I'm not can... suggesting it is. I'm suggesting that it shows that he's able to traverse mediums at great rapidity, and that I think water wouldn't stop him. I don't think water would stop him either. But he can't okay. breathe underwater, so there's that. He can't breathe in space either. I mean, he doesn't. He, he also does that. Some, is it true? He doesn't. He also doesn't die when he doesn't have water. Yep. So <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying here, man. I'm trying here. I know you are. But so no, but I, I think that's a, I think, and I think that's the thing. Silver the, the 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 thing with Silver Age uh, Aquaman is he really does set the stage for a lot of things. But it's just that weakness. I think that became the joke. And even though this took place after 
even though like Super Friends takes place after uh, Silver Age and it takes place in the Bronze Age, I just think that stuff just didn't help. It just didn't help the PR, if you will, of Aquaman. You know, uh, him being a founding member of the Justice League. Remember when the Justice League when we found the Justice League it was it was um, Raven the Bold uh, twenty eight. Remember. Uh, Superman, Wonder Woman, and Batman did not appear on the, would not appear on those covers for the longest time. So you would get characters right. like Aquaman on there. You know, he's a founding member of the Justice League. It's there. Um, he also got his own solo series, uh, and in that solo series, you, you you start bringing in some more of these characters that we we know. You bring in Mera, who becomes uh, his wife and his um, uh, uh, the other the uh, other queen, the queen of Atlantis. Uh, the thing about uh, Mera is. Uh, from another dimension. That was always weird to me. She's basically from yeah. another dimension. Why couldn't she just be there? Like, yeah. why are we making the... Why is dimension happening all of a sudden? I, and I think... Like, why I, is that... And again, I haven't seen Aquaman, but I'm pretty sure they're probably not going to do that, which makes sense. Cause Good. It, it just, it just, it, 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 that's the one thing. Because here's the thing. You know, I'll be perfectly honest, because I'm not really an Aquaman reader. I didn't know that. I didn't know she was not from Atlantis. I did not know she Zeta. was from... A, so in the New 52 version, and without getting into... We're going to do that later... She is a spy from Z-Bell. I know. Yeah, that was even weirder. Yeah. It's a whole thing. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, man, you're underwater. Why are we opening portals? It's a big ocean. Yeah. She's basically from... She's from another part of the ocean. She just doesn't rep Atlantis. Yeah. <sighs> it, it was very, very weird. Uh, she's uh, the queen of a dimension, uh, Z-Bell, and... Um, yeah, she's fleeing a criminal, ends up into... Uh, into our our dimension, Aquaman helps her, and in Silver Age period, she's get introduced in Eleven, becomes uh, uh, Aquaman. Arthur becomes king of Atlantis in eighteen, and in eighteen they marry. He marries Mera, and by twenty three they have a son, uh, Arthur Junior, Aqua Baby. Which, by the way, I just Aqua <sighs> Baby is an adorable silver coin for an for a kid. Like, and for all those, you know, don't grow up the comic books so your hero shouldn't grow. They gave, Aqu- they gave Aquaman a kid early. Yeah, I mean, that was early. Um, we also have other, uh, uh, he also got a, uh, uh, a um, sidekick early, Aqualad, uh, Garth Tempest. Uh, he first appears in uh, Adventure Comics number 269 in 1960s. Uh, it's a whole thing with Garth. I mean, we'll bring him up later on here. Um, but we've kind of talked about Garth before with the Teen Titans. So right. um, we won't go too much into there. Uh, you have Valko, who is a scientist, also his trust, uh, Arthur's trusted advisor. Can't remember the issue he was in, introduced in. We already mentioned uh, his trusty, handy trusty uh, <laughs> octopus. <Tuk-tupo. laughs> I don't know why that's so funny to me still. It always will be though. Yo, when he showed up in the, in the when when Topo showed up in the uh, David, Peter David run, I was like, oh, that's funny. That's that's good. That's good. Um, Black Manta shows up in Aquaman number uh, thirty five, nineteen sixty uh, sixty seven. Um, Black Manta is another interesting uh, villain here. We have here. Uh, now, you said you you said before Orm was the Joker. I actually argue that Black Manta was. That's fair, except that like. Orms the Joker, as far as has no actual origin. Black Manta is the fact that, oh, he's just a crazy person. But no, but that's what I'm saying. Black Manta didn't have the origin. Orm actually had an origin. His origin was that he was, a, he was the brother of, of Arthur, and that was the origin. Black Manta, for the longest time, you didn't, he didn't have a name. He was Black Manta. You didn't, you didn't have a name for him. 
You didn't know, like you eventually find out later on that he's a there's a black man underneath there and his name is David Hyde. But we didn't have all that stuff at first. So I'd actually argue that in terms of mystery, Black Manta is more like the Joker in that respect because you did. Now that lead, you you said something that kind of leads into my another issue I have with going through Aquaman stuff. They lean heavily, maybe too heavily, into this mental issue, this mental problems thing. Because they do it with Black Manta and they do it with Mirror later on. Right. And it's a it's it's a bad crutch. And and again, I guess back in the day it didn't again, these are creators created in the sixties, you know, so I guess back in the day it didn't it didn't seem as problematic as it is today. But yeah, they um that's not good. To blame everything on on, on mental issues. It's not great. No, it's, it's not, not great at all. Um but uh, yeah, he get black black Manta. You don't really get a definitive story on him until like later on. We'll get his. Well, actually, it's, it's so weird with Black Manta because he does some does something very significant in this time. But we're not gonna really get. We don't really get his backstory until we do part probably part two. Um, right. here. But uh, the biggest thing here is, um, they battle repeatedly over the years. Uh, in what issue was it? Trying to find the issue. He ends up killing Aqua Baby. It's so fucked up. It is. I don't have the issue. I'll make sure I have it in the show notes. But um, when I read that, I was like, uh, did they just kill a baby? He suffocates Aqua Baby. Yeah. Because he couldn't breathe air. So he just drags him. Into, like, it's. <sighs> Adventure Comics four, uh, 452. Black Manta kills Aqua Baby, author Jr. Um, holy shit! Now, mind you, this is back into this is now we're now into the Bronze Age here, but um, that we're, we're we're killing babies now. Everyone wanted to be tougher and grittier, and Aquaman won. I, <laughs> I want to make sure everyone knows that shit. <laughs> Frank Miller was a fascist who made Batman a fa- Yeah, he did. You're right. Well, Barry Allen Rams, you're 100% couldn't be truer. Aquaman killed a baby, yo. No, Aquaman didn't. Black Manta killed a baby. No, I'm saying the story. I'm saying oh, yeah, the story yeah, yeah. of Aquaman. Yeah. Infanticide is like a real big thing that happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, um... Yeah. So, comic code. What were you watching for? <laughs> I don't. <sighs> like, I know that they took the comic code off of the um, the Roy Harper heroin addict uh, cover because they didn't want to talk about drugs. In aside. No. No, oh, we're okay. Okay. We're okay with that. Um, but this is also when uh, I think that's the same issue that is also revealed that Black Manta is black. So this is all that we kind of brought this up to around this uh, the the Bronze Age times when they were dark getting more black characters. This is one of the ones I was like, nah, you know what? You guys could have kept that one though, because he just killed a baby. I didn't think I needed that one. You know, I'm true sorry. equality means black people can be horrific villains too. You're valid. You're valid on that one. Uh, basically, his his, his his stated one of his things is, and, and, the, and when they reveal he's black is basically that you know you want black people to dominate over the seas <clears> after <throat> being oppressed on, on the dry land for so long. You know. And, Which uh, is really just the punching down Hotep oppress someone else of of uh, villainy. I do like it. I do. I did like it because 
every time from here on out, when you have like the collection of villains, they have to sit someone in for Aquaman's villain. It's usually Orm, and Orm's crazy. Mm-hmm. Like Orm's crazy. And so the times when Black Manta's there, you have to say to yourself, oh, he's just kind of an arms dealer, just a guy in a suit. Why is he at the table? But then you're like, oh, yeah, he did kill Aquaman's kid. Right. <laughs> you can't really argue. Like, oh, yeah. Of all, like, like yeah, yeah. Uh, Joker killed a Robin who came back. Uh, Lex Luthor's done a lot of shit. Like, Sinestro, yeah, a lot of evil guys. Which one of you killed the hero you, you pester's baby? And <laughs> anyone. And that baby does not come back. That's what I thought. That, that baby is, it maybe does come back in Blackest Night because Jeff Johns oh, is the God, fucking right. asshole. It's the next appearance of Arthur Jr. Oh, God, I forgot about that. After his death, it's like Blackest Night too. And, and, look, and look here, this is a significant thing because it, like. <laughs> that was really funny. You know, Black, Black Manta killing Arthur Jr. kind of also then sets off Mira's whole whole uh, mental <laughs> issue, which again it destroys well, their marriage as well. It would, yeah, it destroys their marriage, and it's pretty bad. It's something you and I, you've talked about before. Is that sometimes the storytelling in the smaller, less paid attention to books can be a bit more compelling? And spoilers: Aquaman's never been like a top seller for anyone ever, anyone ever, anywhere. Which is why they made a movie of it because I don't know. Um, but. Like for the time, like, yo, this is some pretty hefty storytelling. Well, and you got to think about it at this time before this, because I, I read a little bit. I, I try to go back and read a little bit because around this time uh, in the Bronze Age, he's also in uh, Gary Con- uh, Jerry Conway's um, Justice League of America run. Yeah, uh, he's he's actually leading because I think the the big hitters are gone, so uh, Aquaman is leading the team. He's basically in charge of the Justice League around this time. Uh, it's not it's not very long. I, I have the issues down here somewhere. I'll, I'll I'll put them in the show notes, but um. You know, throughout this entire time, even before this, like Aquaman still doesn't feel. It's not serious, right? It's still like, still a guy who we can breathe underwater under the sea. Like, I I think that up till this point, they still were trying to handle the whole. They they weren't doing a good job of handling the struggles of Arthur being both from the land and also from the sea and also being a king, it just kind of just felt like your regular superhero stories. Here, right. Black Manta kills Aqua Baby, though. And that's when you start getting things kind of getting kind of real. You know, it's like, and, and I think that that, as horrific as it is, it does kick off when we get into the more of the modern era stuff, which I think is probably the more cohesive stuff when it comes to Aquaman. Um it's basically the basis for a lot of stuff that's going on and it all makes sense. You're like, okay, you know what? Totally understand why this is going on. I totally understand why Arthur's struggling here. Like death of a child and him kind of going away and and shirking his responsibilities. That's how anybody would react. He lost his wife. He lost his child. Like this is damn, you know, makes sense. But fucked up Aquaman. Yeah, it did. It, it, well, it fucked up every, it fucked up Aquaman. It fucked up, it fucked up, uh, mirror. It's like it, everybody, every everything, you know, goes down. Like, um, you know, uh, they they um, they they try to reconcile. It doesn't work. Um, mirror gets committed to an asylum in Atlantis. Um, they uh, there's this whole thing where oh, what issues were those? So it is. Oh, I'm trying to see my notes here. Because we're we're getting to that part where like it's like I think it's post crisis, um, and there is it's not the Legend of Aquaman. There's another series. 
before this. There's one that deals with fucking jellyfish. It's weird. <laughs> it's like these alien jellyfish come I down. Love you, DC. Oh, no, it's, it's, it's so fucking weird. It's like these alien jellyfish come down and they try to take over. This is not the... Is it this the Atlantis Chronicles? No, that's the no, no, that's, that's 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 the other one. That's Wizards. <laughs> no, no, no. It is. It, it is. It's the. It's so. The, there's a five issue. Uh, Aquaman with uh, it's uh, Lauren Fleming, uh, Keith Giffen, and Kurt Swan. Yeah, there we go. That that's what it is. And so it literally is um, Aquaman coming back to try to deal with you know the um, uh, save his, his his Atlantis. He's been gone. He's been trying to save Atlantis from these alien jellyfish. Again, it's fucking weird, guys. I know, but whatever. Um, Mira breaks out. She's um, she's been completely fucking crazy, um, and she's she attacks him. She she ends up getting impaled and dies. So now Aquaman has lost you know his son. He's lost his wife. Um, so. <laughs> this is all true. This is all fun. But there's a part of this story that we're not mentioning. And that's the blue suit. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead and do it. <laughs> so, in nineteen eighty six, I'm not going to let you not do this. I'm sorry. <laughs> the crash of the Earth happened in nineteen eighty five. Nineteen eighty six, a lot of the books were relaunched, including Aquaman. It was written by Neil Posner, and. <clears throat> If you, you've never seen this suit because DC, I'm pretty sure, has destroyed all physical copies of this book. But Google Aquaman blue suit. It can be best described as underwater camo. It's also the story where we get the beginnings of sword and sorcery being added to Aquaman. Yeah. This is also the first revision of Orm's relationship with him and what was called the uh, Legend of Aquaman special. And uh, yeah, it... All right, so now, Aquaman is now born as Orin to Queen Atlana and a wizard. Atlan, right? Yes. Yes, in, in Atlantis. He was abandoned at Mercy Reef which would have been the name of the CW show if it had been greenlit about Aquaman as a teen. It's important people know that and that this stuff doesn't rattle around my head uselessly. Um, he was abandoned because he had blonde hair and the Atlanteans saw that as a curse. Stop. I'm not making this up. The, thank God, Peter David literally kind of explains this later on. But yes, keep, keep going. Oh, Peter David does a great job fixing all this. Yeah. But I want you to show how broken it is first. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. Because it doesn't make any sense. Like, we have to. We also have to say that Legend of Aquaman. It when you when you tie in the Peter David stuff, it all makes sense. But when you're coming mm-hmm. off a of crisis and having everything you know about Aquaman, literally has been completely changed. You are now getting your third, your third origin of of aquaman here okay sorry continue so for mercy reef um oren raises himself as a feral child in the ocean only talking to the sea creatures keeping company he's been raised and found by a lighthouse keeper named arthur curry who named him arthur curry because men are so unoriginal (laughs) he comes back finds his father's gone goes north and um earns the hatred of of (laughs) This is when he meets Orm, who 
is his half-brother because this wizard gets around and he's sleeping with an Inuit woman. And that's where Orm came from in this continuity. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Now, I know what you guys are all thinking right now. What the fuck are you guys talking about? What, what is going on here? Why is all this fucking crazy? Why does all this not make sense? Why did these... Why is his origin gone from like, oh, he's the, 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 even let's just say the love child of an Atlantis woman and a human man to there are swords and the word wizard shouldn't be in your origin, full stop. Unless it's a wizard story, then I guess it's kind of necessary. Go on, you talk. So, what I'm going to do here is (laughs) we're going to fix all this stuff for you guys right now. We've been all over the place, kind of, kind of ignoring some stuff and, we're going to fix it all right now because this man named Peter David comes in and he fixes Aquaman. He comes in and I, I, I'm saying fix as much as you can. All right. It's going to be weird. Right. It's going to be crazy. But I'm, I'm okay with the weird and crazy. And I'm okay with what he did because you know what? For the first time, it all starts tying together and start making sense. Um, I, I, I was able to get the first um, part of his actual Aquaman run. He has a, you can get the omnibuses on like Amazon or by the end, it's like book one and book two. So he has an introduction in, um, in it. I'm, I'm going to read part of it or maybe even all of it. You're writing Aquaman? Seriously? That was a typical reaction I received from both fans and retailers when I was announced that DC was going to be relaunching the Sea King's comic book with me at the helm. You have to understand, at the time, I was one of the rising young writers in the comic book world. I'd written Spectacular Spider-Man, The Phantom, X-Factor, and embarked on my 12-year run on The Incredible Hulk. I was developing an, an, an enthusiastic fan base and was known for increasing sales on any project that I undertook. I was something that I was something of a hot shot. Aquaman, by contrast, effectively got no respect at all. For some reason, he had, <laughs> we know the reason. For some reason, he was inevitably associated with the old Super Friends co- car- cartoon, where he typically had nothing to do because they were never near water. <laughs> Again, I, if you guys think we were making fun of this shit and saying that this was a problem, here's a writer who fixes Aquaman saying the same thing we were just saying. Um, it's not our fault. No, it's not. Also, the, man, the main ability was to speak to sea life, which fans seemed to dismiss out of hand as a lame power. But to me, Aquaman was Tarzan of the apes of the DC universe. He's utterly at home in a wild environment and was considered its ruler. He could chat with the, the animals. Everyone thought it was cool when Tarzan was sending an elephant in to kick ass. Well, an elephant is 13,000 pounds. A blue whale, that's 300,000 pounds. If you uh, piss off Aquaman, you got, you got, you're going to get 150 tons of fury crashing down on you. How formidable is that? You want to talk, you want to stake Batman, uh, Aquaman against Batman? Take Aquaman wearing jeans and a t-shirt, drop him in the worst part of Gotham, and he'll be fine. Skin can resist the pressures of the ocean deep. A large, uh, largely, a lar- is, is largely bullet and resist uh, and, and knife proof. His muscles are superhuman. He can leap great distances. He would easily take whatever the bad guy could throw at him. Make it, a, uh, make, it a, make it to the docks and swim away. Now take Bruce Wayne wearing jeans and a t-shirt and drop him above the Marianas Trench in a shark-infested waters and you'll never hear from him again. I also had fond recollections of Aquaman comics with art by Jim uh, Paro that I'd read in my youth. Um, I'm kind of get here. Let me see. Uh, I'm going to skip over here. He's like, the part here, he said, okay, here we go. Uh, for the time being, I sold editorial my, on my plan. For now, I have something to get people interested in. The following conversation happened on counted, uh, on counted times over the next month. You're doing Aquaman, sigh. Yeah, but I've, I've got great plans. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, well, Mirror's coming back. That's nice. 
He's also getting involved with dolphins. Sounds interesting. Checks watch. And we're going to have his hand getting eaten off by piranhas and replaced with a harpoon. What? Holy crap. I got to read that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... (laughs) It's like, okay, wait, now you're talking, right? He's like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> so, so just, just oh, so you guys know, that's the Aquaman we're, getting, we're about to get into, right? The, the harpoon, one hand, Aquaman. Um, so I knew we had a win- winner in terms of putting eyes in the book. Uh, I was one of the one who had selected, uh, okay, so that's it. So I'm just going to, but, but, but that basically is, you know, what you're getting here. We're getting the one-armed, harpoon-armed Aquaman in this run, um, and which becomes... The definitive arc Aquaman for for years up to this point, and it becomes an interesting story. Now, before we get into Aquaman and actually reading Aquaman, what Peter David does to kind of help this and, and get into his run, there's two things he does. One, how much did, did he write the Atlantis Chronicles? Yes. So he wrote the Atlantis Chronicles, and I had never yes. read this stuff before. And the Atlantis Chronicles does something that I think. Um, needed to be done, and, and, and it's such a shame because the Atlantis Chronicles came out in 1990, September 1990. And again, we're, we're talking about a character that's been here since the 40s. All right, so think about that time almost 50 years, 50 years, and finally somebody goes, Hey, if we're gonna tell, if we're gonna use Aquaman and have this the city of Atlantis, shouldn't we tell the story of Atlantis? Shouldn't we tell how we got here? And it immediately reminded me of when we did, remember when we did Thor? And what was it, the Tales mm-hmm. of Asgard? Where they tell you all these, 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 these the, the tales right. of Asgard, what happened there? That is basically what the Atlantis Chronicles are. It's seven exactly. issues. And each issue, almost each issue is told by a different narrator. And they're the historians of that time of Atlantis. So you start with Atlantis being uh, the above, the, the, uh, the surface world uh, city it used to be. It's sinking and then going all throughout here. And what you read through these seven issues will then basically set up the, the 50 issues that uh, Peter Dave, actually a little bit more than that because he writes Time and Tide as well. It will set up these issues in the story that, that uh, Peter David tells later on, going on. You get, the, you get the full history. And I think it ends with them giving you uh, a, a, um, a uh, uh, what was it? Is a, is a family tree of, of who <clears throat> everybody's there. Because it starts with two brothers, Orn and Shalako, I think. And you go down through here and you, you find out that... Because the other thing, too, going with, with, with um, Peter David, his whole thing is that the, the, the throne of Atlantis will be battled for by two brothers. And it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a theme that he carries on. So obviously we're, we've been talking about Orm being the brother of Aquaman. We know how we battle. Here we start seeing that this battle between brothers is something that's been going on since the beginning of Atlantis' time. He made it, he turned Aquaman's story, he made it feel bigger. Like, I don't watch the show, but I'm aware of Game of Thrones and how it's a, a generational story, how it's always in cycles. That's how he approached Aquaman. Like, this isn't just a, a, a guy who can talk to fish. This is, this is Thor underwater. Yeah. This is a cyclical tale that's repeated itself through time. And this is our latest iteration of it. And possibly, the one who can break the cycle. Yeah. We, we, we get the story of how, you know, if Atlantis was on the surface, how do they get sunk and how do the people, why do the people breathe, breathe underwater? It's like, well, it didn't turn out that way. It's basically you have these two brothers, Orin, who Aquaman is named for, Orin and his brother Salako. Uh, they, uh, one is, is more into faith and, and praying to the gods. The other is more into technology. And um, uh, they basically... The city gets sunk by the gods, and 
uh, but they had erected a dome. So when the, the, the city is sunk underneath there, the people are basically living underwater, but they're, they're not able to breathe underwater. They're just stuck underwater in this dome. And the, it shows you throughout the time of what happens. Like you know, the two brothers split, the orange stays in the city. They develop a serum to allow them to breathe underwater, which is why you now have the Atlantis and uh, the Atlanteans uh, being able to breathe underwater. Uh, that's where that comes from. Um, you also get this idea of the different cities in the different um, lanes. Uh, which pays off in the series. It pays off in the series. So the Orange Brother breaks off and forms, was it Tritonus? Tritonus, yes. Tritonus. And, um, but we've, we've seen this. Cause we saw this when we read, um, uh, when we were doing uh, in, in Marvel with uh, the Lost Cities of Atlantis. How one was a mm-hmm. bunch Hickman. of uh, uh, yeah, was, uh, Hickman did a bunch of uh, fish people. Well, Tritonus, they're a bunch of. We, we know this when you read all oh, man comics. Now you're like, well, those are the fish people. Those are the ones that have scales, and you know why do why do why do some Atlanteans have scales? Why do some not? And this is why you see the break between them. They were given the serum, but because uh, Orange Brother uh, damned them to the gods, the anybody who took the serum was tra- horribly mutated and transformed into fish people. And then that formed a, this distinction between uh, Tritonus and and, uh, and Atlantis, uh, which they later on call Poseidonus or Poseidonus. Poseidonus, yes. Poseidonus. Um, that's and, where Garth's from. Yeah, that's where Garth's from. They you you get you get a you get a civil war between them. Like the, the Atlantis Chronicles, it, we're not going to go through that whole thing, but it's like it's a whole backstory. It's it's, it's like where you say, oh, this is the book. It's it's a Simulacron to Lord of the Rings. Yeah. It's the background. It's the grounding. It's if you want to know, if you kind of want to know how the story's going to go, it's going to follow the major beats of what's come before. Right. Right. <clears throat> Which I really enjoy having done the reread like this. And the way we did it is knowing that I can read over Peter David's run kind of as an analog to this things he already told us he's going to do. Right. And it <clears throat> works. You get Kordax, who is a. Uh, the son of Dardanus uh, and in Korra because Dardanus rapes Korra and has a basically a horrible monster fish son. But but he was born with he was born fully scaled. He had he looked like a fish, but he had what he have blonde hair. And so that's where the blonde hair being a curse thing came from, which is why when um, uh, uh, Arthur was put on to Mercy Reese because he had the mark of Cordis uh, of Cordax. And that kind of damned him, which why he was put out there. Like all these things become explained. Like the stuff that was done in that um, Legend of Aquaman that kind of rewrote all of his history. Peter David comes in here and kind of explains it all away with the Atlantis Chronicles, going like, "Okay, that's why he was put there. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Is why that happened. Okay, now I see why they fear, you know, uh, blonde hair and." where this uh th- this tension between these cities come from i see where uh these cities are are uh you have all these different cities and they're all disconnected they're all technically um uh cities of atlantis and, and outposts of atlantis but they've kind of become disconnected and where these different people came from all that stuff basically comes from the atlantis chronicles and it makes sense and what's so cool is that peter david takes this from being like you and i mentioned it for so long it was a superhero book and then kind of haphazardly people added the sorcery and Peter David's like, no, 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 I know what this is. It's a generational, it's, it's, it's a legendary story. It's an epic story. It's a story you can tell, but my issue is, and not my issue, but 
it's so jarring to read this and know it, that no one really has been able to capture even that spirit sense. Well, and, and I think that's the thing, though, because, again, and we'll get into this when we get into the, 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 the next part of this, you know, later on. When I look at this, this this was somebody who was almost ahead of a time. He basically marvelized it because you know what I was mm-hmm. when I was reading this. You know what I thought? I immediately thought Black Panther. This is Black. Panther. You know what I thought? I thought about that um that Thor run after disassembled when he comes back in there above Oklahoma. Yeah, well, both of those because because here's the thing. Here, what what do Thor and Black Panther both have have in common? Like they're not superheroes. Thor's right. a god who does superhero stuff on the side, but he's a god first. Black Panther is a king. King first, superhero second. And, he, and Aquaman sometimes both. And Aquaman sometimes both, but Peter David embraced the idea of him struggling with that. And so mm-hmm. you, get this, uh, you get this Chronicles of Atlantis stuff, right? And the Chronicles of Atlantis basically ends with them then showing you the birth of uh, the son of Atlan and, uh, and, and uh, uh, um, the, the son of uh, Atlan and Atlana. And it's um, uh, 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 and he's put on the Mer- Mercy Reef, right, and left there. So then we do Time and Tide, which is another hmm. Peter David run, and and this is the the first um, this this is is basically setting the stage for his actual Aquaman run. It's was it four issues, five issues? I'm gonna get right here and pull back up. Um, sorry, I moved away from that one. Time and time is four issues. 93, 94. It was basically after he announced he was getting Aquaman to write in 94, he, they let him write this four issue to tie in uh, the Atlantean Chronicles. Atlantis Chronicles, excuse me. Right. And, and, and so, um, hold on. What you get here is you, you get, um, you get him basically, so basically what this is, this is directly taking over from the Atlantis Chronicles because you're, you're, you're having Arthur who is basically shirked his response. He's given up being king and he's basically holding himself away and all he's doing is reading these, these chronicles. He's reading, you now have the character in the book reading what we just read and right. what is basically the history of Atlantis, which he never really understood himself. And he's saying all this stuff going, none of this makes sense. I don't understand any of this stuff. My mother was crazy. He told all this crazy stuff. That's what was going on. Like, what, what is, the, none of this makes sense. I, make me make sense. And then you, you get him also then retelling his own origin, which is then where we start setting up other things. So, you know, he was also Mercy Reef. Uh, uh, um, uh, Mercy Reef. It wasn't that he took care of himself. He actually became, so you heard about being raised by wolves, he was raised by dolphins. Um, and it sounds, if it sounds silly, it does, but they make it, they make it interesting because they keep tying it in. And it then shows that, you know, uh, his connection to the dolphins, which is all throughout Peter David's run. It stays there. He's known as, he's known as Swimmer. He's not known as Aquaman. He's not known as King of the Sea. He's known as Swimmer to them because he's one of them. His 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 dolphin mother, Porm, you know, becomes you know took care of him, and you know it's it, it, they bring that in there. They bring in this t- thing of him going uh, north into uh, the uh, Antarctica, oh, actually in the Arctic, and meeting the indigenous uh, the the native the native uh, native people there, and living there and getting a woman pregnant. Which you find out later on, which you know comes back in 
Um, actually, you don't find out she gets pregnant then. You find out later on in Peter Davis' right. she got pregnant. Um, but it's also, that's also where you meet Orm. You don't know that it's Orm at the time, but you quickly find out that that was Orm. And that uh, Orm is from, is from the Inuit people. And it's just like, all the stuff gets set up in this Time and Tide book as you go through, where basically such a little, it's such a little things like the shark that he, he, he took the eye of when he was a small baby, uh, Crone One Eye, keeps coming back. You know, and it's like, it's, it's, it's things that should not be. He's basically, he's basically grown up Mowgli. Yes. No, absolutely. Who came back to rule his people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and as crazy as all this shit sounds, it works and it sounds and, and it's a compelling story that tells and what Peter David and so you do that in the four issues of Time and Tide uh, and again like I said it, it, it goes back and ties all the characters in from the Atlantis Chronicles it ties all that stuff together so now you're interested in there now you get into to, to you're starting the Aquaman solo series you go in there and I want to say if it's yeah it's the first issue I think yeah he loses his hand he loses his hand so, by yeah by 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 piranha so he's fighting i can't remember what the villain he was fighting it doesn't really matter um Braxis, someone who, who blocked his ability to talk to animals well it wasn't that he blocks his ability to talk to animals what they also reveal with his powers is that he doesn't control the animals he talks to them he gives them suggestions and what you find is that they then what peter david does then is he gives the the, the the sea creatures their own personalities so he says he, he said earlier in the issue that you know, hey, you're trying to control you're, you, the guy's trying to take take Aquaman's power, right? That's that's what it was. The, the character's trying to take Aquaman's power, and he's like, the guy wants to, to to convince these these piranhas to eat this person. He's like, Aquaman's like, you can't do that with piranhas. Piranhas only care about one thing: eating. You can I can barely talk to them. I can barely control them. You can't do that. That they only have one thing on their mind. And you see this about the different things. The the uh, dolphins are very communicative. Uh, communicative. Uh, the whales always brings up that they know everything. They know what they know what needs to be known. Um, they're like the the wise the, the wise the wise animals of the sea. The sharks are the hilarious ones because they always forget things, and so they'll talk, they'll, they'll think one thing and the next thing you know, like two seconds later, they've forgotten what they were talking about. Um, like there was that one there's that one time when uh, he goes to free some sharks that have been. Um, he, he opens up a, 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 a place, he's underwater, and the sharks are supposed to be guarding, and he's like, I'm going to open it up and I'm going to let them go out there. He's like, you guys go out there and just let me, let me pass. We're not entering your territory. We're just going to go past through here. And, and, and Dolphin turns and was like, yeah, so um, are they going to make it out? He's like, eventually they'll find the opening. Just let them go. They, they, they start talking amongst themselves. They forget things. It's just what they do. It's, a, it's like a running joke that the, the shark always forget things. Like at one point, like a little fish tells a shark to go do something. Say, like, hey, don't forget. It's like, I don't forget. Wait, what were we talking about? It's like, it's fucking hilarious. But, <laughs> but he establishes that each of these sea creatures has their own will. I really liked, I really liked issue one because it picks up right, like you said, right where Tide and Tide's ended because he's just been, so, that's why he has the beard and the long hair. Yeah. And Garth is the one who finds him. I like the fact that it was Garth that found him. Mm-hmm. Hey, dude, what are you doing? Shower, shave, what the fuck? Get your shit <laughs> together, you know? And he's... he's and become, then the arm. Right, well, and, well, and again, remember, at this point, he's dealing with the fact that he's not king anymore. He's lost his... His son is dead. His wife is dead. Like, he's in a deep depression, and he doesn't... And honestly, they get to this part where... And it's kind of like you said, with a Thor, with a Black Panther... He's trying to find a place in the world. It's like, if I'm not king, if I'm not a father, if I'm not a husband, mm-hmm. 
what am I? Am I a superhero? What am I doing? Like, what, what is my, what is my role in the world? What everything I knew was a lie. I don't know anything. And Peter David goes through this entire run, basically showing it, basically bringing Arthur back into being a king, and and having him understand what it is to be a king and what he what he needs to do and accept that role because he's never accepted himself. He's never accepted the power inside of himself. And he never understood his full lineage. And there's a whole thing where he goes through his whole lineage of, of, of who he is and the evil and darkness inside of him. He has both his father, but he also has a lineage of, of, of Kordax in him. It's like he's, all, he has, he's, he's both light and dark inside of him. And, and this run basically takes all that in there. 100%. It's, it's like you said, the marvelization. Everything that came before matters. We're going to make it all fit and we make it all work. And as messy as it kind of is, because now you're like, oh, wait, is he Arthur Curry? Is he Orin? Is he both? It, it makes it work because he plays in, he doesn't, like you said, he leans into these themes of finding your place in these multiple worlds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'll just hit some, some small things as we go through this. I mean, we're not going to, honestly, I, I, this is one of the things, I, everything else we were mentioning before, you don't have to read. I honestly do recommend reading everything. If you're going to read Aquaman, read the, the Peter David stuff. It seems like the movie is taking bits and pieces from everything. So I don't know mm. where, I, I don't know what they're pulling from here. But to me, Peter David's run gives the most complete understanding of, 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 of what it is. It's like you, you see Aquaman understanding, you see Arthur understanding what it is to be who he is. Like um, in Time and Tide, he learns about, you know, uh, one of his dolphin brothers is killed, right? And he's, the sharks are, are, are coming and they're going to eat him. And he's like, no, you can't do that. It's my brother. You can't do that. And the dolphin is like, no, this is our way. If you're going to be of the sea, you need to understand our ways. You need to respect our ways. That's what they need to do. You know, that's, that's the cycle of life, the circle of life down here, if you will. Like you said, mm-hmm. the Mowgli of the sea and understanding, the, and understanding those things. Um, he, um, in, in, in the, the Aquaman run itself, he finds out he has a son. Uh, yep. we didn't we didn't go into this before, but Mira's powers are 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 a little bit different than Arthur's. Hydrokinesis. Yeah, hard water, and and that's what uh, what is this? Son? Basically, Green Lantern with water. Basically, um, and that's basically what his son can do, uh, Koryak. Uh, and uh, he joins Aquaman. It's always weird. I think that's the one thing that that. And I know Peter, I don't think Peter David got to finish his story because I think that he was replaced in issue 50. Right. And so I think that's the, and I think that's kind of goes to what you were saying. It's like, this, this to me was a, the best start. And I don't think he got to finish the way he, he wanted to finish. So other people came in, but I just felt like he kind of rushed his last story. Like the story with Kari, he ends up trying to usurp Arthur and gets banished. And that's fine and everything, but it's like, it just doesn't feel like, it feels like his last story should have been, and that's one of the things I've always found interesting about Aquaman, not just this run that we're talking about here, but other runs is his son and his surrogate sons and his son he never found and Garth's right fucking there. Right. Like, yo, that's your son. And I mean, it really is. It's one of those, like, it's like, it's the, it's the why don't he love me, Uncle Phil? Well, the weird, like, thing, well, the weird thing about it was it felt like Peter David was going that direction anyway. Because at one point, no, that's what I'm saying. I think that if he'd gotten some more stories to tell, he would have resolved it and had Garth come truly home as the Prince of Atlantis. Because at this time, um, they're, they're, they go through a lot of things that deal with uh, like Atlantis. Is, there's a whole thing with alien invasion, and 
I, I almost want to say Grant Morrison's it because it gets it gets really weird, but it doesn't get Grant Morrison weird. It's still fine. Nothing so, like, gets Grant, Grant Morrison weird. Yeah, nothing ever gets Grant Morrison weird, but it's it's fine. Um, Gartho gets uh, basically gets uh, trained in a you know he gets pulled into another dimension by by Aquaman's father Atlan. I know it sounds crazy that he's still alive, but he is. Uh, gets pulled into another dimension and gets trained, and, and he learns um, to control his powers a bit far more than he ever could. And you're right. In this time, Garth is clearly the next heir, not like they're looking like the, like a lot of the series and a lot of Aquaman stories are about finding. It's about the generational nature of the throne, right? And him having an heir, but the heirs, and, and eventually it happened right before they give it to him right before Blackest Night because, like, literally the Titans issue before Blackest Night, they're like King of Atlantis, uh, uh, Garth, and then they kill him in issue one because. DC sometimes, man. Um, but yeah, I think that if Peter David had been allowed to finish his run, or at least allowed to give the the, I, I don't know if he was again. We weren't there. Now, I mean, we don't. We weren't there. It's ninety five. But I think I would like to hope that he would have gotten a chance to. If he'd gotten twenty more issues, it ends with Garth becoming officially legally the Prince of Atlantis. Well, because they were trying to do that. I mean, because at one mm-hmm. point he um he fights Poseidon. He, oh, he actually fights Triton, and he gets the Triton. And there's that moment where Garth is, is corrupted by the Triton for a little bit. And Aquaman defeats him and gets it. And he's like, but it's okay. You were able to hold her. The fact that you were able to hold on to her for so long shows that, you know, you were pretty much almost worthy. You're almost there. Like, cause then his son picks it up and can't hold on to her for a second. You're like, yeah, because you're a piece of shit. <laughs> um, so you're right. I, I really do feel like Peter Davis going that direction with it. Um, but again, he just never got the finish. They they replaced him with uh, Eric Larson at one point and somebody else to finish up. The, the, the series goes to 75 issues, uh, either 70 or 75. I can't remember which one. But Peter David only writes up to 49 issues. But again, it's he does a lot. Like I said, you know, Arthur loses his hand. And he has to deal with the idea that he's he's got this this harpoon for a hand. It's like, like you're... Are you a king? Are you like... He falls out with Valko over this because it's like, dude, you're kind of threatening with this. Um, it's just, it's just, there's a lot that goes on in that series that really kind of defines the character, but it all comes back to him understanding and embracing his heritage. But really, he can't go too far. Like he's he he goes too far with his tele, his powers of of trying to um, his telepathy and, and control over all sea life, and he has to he has to you know pull back from that. There's that one sad story with his uh, the the sea monster, where that that kept mm-hmm. coming coming to shore. As a, as a creature that you know Aquaman grew up with when he was when he was small, and he defended the, the creature against uh, against his, his dolphin family, he's like, no, no, he's fine, he's not going to be bad, and he kept coming on shore to uh, destroy to destroy humans, and and Arthur had to put him down, and that literally is on them having to deal with uh, that creature's son. You know, it's just he has to deal with you know he, he, repercussions he, of his actions and right. the repercussions of the throne. Exactly, and he finally embraces being king because he goes through this entire thing being called the king of the sea. But like we kind of gloss over this, Atlantis has gone through some shit. Like the people of have left. At one point, Atlantis is destroyed, or at least Poseidonidas is, and it's just like there's just a lot of stuff going on there. And um, Peter Davis' run basically is bringing everything back to, 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 to back to that. Um, it ends. Not David's run, but I think that the series ends. They bring uh, Mira back, 
and her and, and, and Aquaman mm-hmm. get married and they become king and queen of Atlantis. Uh, Dolphin and Garth uh, uh, get married and have a baby. And so all this stuff happens here and um, that pretty much ends, you know, that Aquaman run there, 75. Um, you got anything? And that goes through 2001. And that goes, yeah, you're right. That goes through 2001. Um, Which is a good run for an Aquaman book. Like 75 issues is nothing to sneeze at. I want to say that might have been like the longest run. I think it probably was. You know, I, I'm not looking at the runs in front of me, but I can say if we say 75 is a lot for Aquaman. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I think it, again it works all because of what they do with um, telling the Atlantis Chronicles. You yeah, it's it's the setup. He sets up the story. You know, like and, really well, really well done. And and here's the thing. So and then I started going back and I started reading. I did read part of Grant Morrison's uh, GLA run because he is in that. And I started realizing it's just like when you were doing uh, Black Panther, it's like, did it really matter to read those issues of him when he was in the Avengers? Well, I liked it because it, it gives the picture of who Aquaman is to the Justice League at this time. Right. And it's the reluctant member. Like, it's the, you know I'm the king too, right? Like, you know I have other shit to do. But also, it had him use his powers in fun ways. I liked how Morrison was like, well, if you can talk to fish, then you can control the the uh, the evolutionary part of your brain too. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Like it's a part of your brain that he can control. And when he shuts down the Martians, it's very. He's like, I understand you evolved differently than we did here on Earth, but I believe fish are still a common ancestor. <laughs> right. He seems like dude reeling. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I, I liked because we're gonna have because when we come back to part two, there's a very big Aquaman story in Justice League, and so. Um, I think it's important that we get the the, the picture with Morrison. Mor- he brought back because Morrison pictured the Justice League as the Big Seven, is the 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 pantheon of Atlantis of, of Olympus, excuse me. And Aquaman was obviously the Poseidon analog. And the story that he kind of starts seeding, like when when they talk about what was the uh, what was the Rock of Ages, Aquaman's in that. Mm-hmm. Like Aquaman is a reluctant member, but he seems to be around for a lot of the bigger stories that are told, particularly because, shockingly enough. One-handed, long-haired Aquaman was one of the more stable characters in that early run because Batman was going through his shit. Superman lost his powers and became a lightning being. Like Aquaman and Wonder Woman, like those two, like regal members, were kind of the stable, the stablest parts of the league early on. And I really enjoyed them being the bedrock because they were king and queen, respectively. Well, that that and and Aquaman had already gone through his shit. But Peter David, mm-hmm. like. I, I think we cannot understate Peter David's run. Like I said, we skipped over a lot of stuff kind of going into the... Because it just, it just wouldn't have made for... It's an interesting read, but I don't think it would have made for a good, like, us retelling you what happens in that run. Because it wouldn't make sense if you didn't read it. I, I just say go mm-hmm. and read it. Um, because I would say read, read, read the Chronicles, read Time and Tide, and read that 75, 75 issue run. If you say, what is the Aquaman run I need? Those are the three things. Right, because it, it gets very weird. Like, Cordax comes back at one point is, and is, it's telepathically controlling, uh, you know, Aquaman's son and, and Valco and the rest of the, uh, the Atlanteans, and they basically slaughter the Tritonians. Like, it's, it's a lot of stuff going on there that you need to kind of... Uh, Neuron's in it. Uh, if you listen to us, uh, do our Listen Up Tomorrow uh, talk, the demon Neuron's in here, and it's given... Uh, certain characters like he um orm i'm sorry orm gets his it, it gets his other background in that one and orm uh not only is uh 
um, he's Aquaman's uh, brother, but he's from At- uh, from uh, his, his half brother from Atlan. But he also becomes a sorcerer. He gets more involved in mm-hmm. magic and, and and things like that. And he actually becomes um, there's a there's a whole storyline here where uh, uh, to combat the the returning invaders um, that originally had conquered and, and try to conquer. Um, Atlantis uh, from space, uh, Aquaman needs to unite the the five lost cities of Atlantis, you know, with the the two the two existing ones already, and one of those five cities happens to be controlled by Ocean Master Orm. So it's like there's there's a whole bunch of things going on here. It's, it's a revolving story. I it, for it only for Peter Davis run to only last I guess forty nine issues because there's a whole seventy five issues for the whole. They didn't even run. get fifty. That's what kills me. They didn't let him write fifty. They didn't even get him fifty. I I, I was shocked by that too. He only got 49 issues, but for what he does in those 49 issues, it's a lot. So you definitely it's want to read so it. It's so well done. And it is well done. Like I said, it's, it, it, it's, everything we're saying sounds fucking crazy, but he leans into it. Like, like you said, you know, at one point, Aquaman is in, and Dolphin are dating together, right? And, and then Mirror shows up from that she thought she was dead from you another dimension. You can do underwater Game of Thrones. You just got to lean all the way the fuck in. And exactly. he did it because, like, you got to understand that those two miniseries is basically the Bible for the story he's going to tell. Yeah. Yeah. And, like I said, I, I, I haven't read a lot of the stuff going forward that we're going to be dealing in, in part two yet, but I can tell I, you right uh, now, it, it doesn't come close. I, I know it doesn't. I know it doesn't. And it's just because if it did, we would have a... And I actually think the rebirth issues might be a little bit better, but I do know that we haven't gotten 75 issues of Aquaman since. You know? this is When people think about Aquaman for a long time, they thought about hook hand harpoon hand aquaman that was it because that was the defender run even when we were talking about aquaman in the um uh in the justice league it's hook hand aquaman you know and you're right that seeing him the way he acts to the other uh just at, at one point in that run when he shows up he's not even trying to be part of the Justice League at that time he shows up and 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 uh diana's like oh glad you're here to help he's like i'm not here to help what the fuck i'm why you, I told you, you had to leave me alone. What are you guys doing? What are you guys doing in my part of the ocean? Like this is my part of the world. What are you doing here? So like, I need you to help. He's like, don't give me orders. It's like, you know, he has to, you know, amongst his people, he has this, and, and in his own book, Aquaman has this, you know, it's the same thing with Black Panther. It's like this is the self doubt. Should I really be leader? What is it to be a leader? But when he's in front of the the rest of the Justice League, it's like I'm the fucking king of the sea. I'm the fucking king of the seven seas. <laughs> Don't talk to me. Like he's that. so you're so right. That's a very very apt way to describe it. He's very self assured. There's no question. There's no unsure Aquaman when it's league time. Right. It's like no no no. no it's no. oh it's league time. Let's go do this. Mm-hmm. It, but it makes sense because I'm he's read, I'm read a bunch of Justice League for this next part. I'm really excited about it. Yeah. So, um, you got anything else to say? I think we're gonna end it here. Um, well, this is a good stopping point because I'll be honest. This is the highlight. This is it. This is the peak. And what Scott Snyder's doing in Just League right now, I'm reading it. I like it. I don't know quite where it ends, but I, I'm I'm here for it. Just yeah, this is this is what we've got so far, guys. Not a bad thing. It's just a fact. Yeah, I mean, I, again, this is another character that, unlike Wonder Woman, who has a lot of like her history is marred and changes and things like that. But those are like copyright issues, right? They they had to do this, so they had to do. They made her detective, right. and they did they did crazy things. It felt like they made they just didn't know what to do with Aquaman, and they made him a joke at first, and then Peter David comes in and and, and changes that, 
And I think there's people just didn't. I don't a lot know. Of people learned the wrong lessons from Peter David. I yes, and I think that's what it is. It's like nobody understood what he was doing. Like Peter David tried his hardest and and succeeded. I, I need to say that Peter David succeeded in not making in making Aquaman not be a joke. Because there's so many times in the books that people try to make a joke. It's like you're Aquaman. Don't you like die if you're not above water? It's like no, that's not what happens. I'm gonna oh God kick your ass now. It's like it's just like he, he has to deal with that shit all the time. You know, and 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 just showing you know that basically putting some respect in Aquaman's name and um, some really really fucking cool moments, and he does it by basically embracing it, going from the Atlantic Chronicles, but also making the sea life interesting, you know, and making it so at one point, like at one point, the sea creatures stop obeying, stop listening to Aquaman because they're afraid of him, and you're like, oh no, they why, why don't they talk to me anymore? It's like, oh, they're afraid of you. Like they think you're you're turning evil, so they're just they kind of ignored you, you know. And even when you get things like you know the whales and, and the sharks and things like that, it's like he he can't compel them to do things. He can ask them. It's like there's it, it, so many little interesting details they did to this character, and I just feel like you know other people just just didn't learn those lessons. So, um, well there you guys have it, folks. This is going to be part one. Part two will come out after uh, Aquaman because we'll probably have a little conversation about that movie after that. Um, thank you guys very much for listening. Uh, leave us some notes. Let us know what you guys think and what you guys want to hear from in 2019. Um, I do know Captain Marvel's definitely happening, so you don't have to worry about sending that in. Captain Marvel's happening. Shazam is happening. Don't send that in. If they're doing a movie next year, don't ask us for it. It's probably happening. All right. So, um, but other other characters, let us know what you guys think. Um, we go from there. There is one more thing I wanted to bring up. So, I love I love what Grant Morrison does this. In like issue two or three, when you, you get these new, what were the new the, the Martians pretending to be? What, what did they uh, say? Um, I can't remember. What, I knew you were talking about the Hyper Clan. The Hyper Clan, right? So when they Hyper, they, they're pretending to be this superhero group called the Hyper Clan, right? Which they, go, they also kill and, and and they they kill Magneto and Wolverine. Look, the first issue three. Right? I was just about to bring that up. That's what I was about okay, to bring yeah. up. Like, <laughs> so they go in there. They they had the thing where they execute some villains. And they they is Doom, Magneto, and 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 Wolverine are on the thing. You you if you if you don't if you don't know what you're looking for, you you might you might miss it. But it's clearly them. I'm like, God damn! Like the Wolverine's got the boots. Yeah, the Wolverine got the boots. He got the hat off. Doom is definitely Doom is the clearest one you can see. Yeah, Doom is the clearest one. I couldn't tell if that was Magneto or not. But I was like, it's probably Magneto. I was just like. Like I love when Grant Morrison does shit like this, yo. Because who's gonna tell Grant Morrison no? That, Grant, you can't do that. You're crazy. He's like, I am crazy. That's why I'm going to do it. <laughs> and he does it. Oh man, awesome, just amazing. So I had to bring that up there. So anyway, folks, thank you guys very much for listening to Character Corner. Make sure you guys subscribe and, like I said, let us know what you guys want to hear from in um, 2019. We're gonna look forward to doing that. So again, folks, uh, thank you guys very much for listening. Until next time, we're out of here. Peace.